You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 133. My name is Marvin Yu, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. We have formerly self-proclaimed professional Asian American Jess Jew. Hey Marvin. What's up, Jess? Uh, it's cold. I don't like it. This is not <laughs> what I signed up for uh, being an LA gal. It's too cold. It is one of those cold LA winters. And cold, of course, is relative. You know, it's what, like low 50s, high 40s, which... It is like the 40s, okay? Like, that is not okay. Our, our bones weren't built for that. <laughs> uh, LA 40 is colder. LA 60 is colder than anywhere else, okay? I do. I know some people who don't even own like real pants. So what are they supposed to do when it hits 40 degrees? I mean, it's it really is just evidence for the world getting warmer because there's a lot of us that just don't remember cold LA winters. Yeah, and- I don't remember like this being this cold since like high school. And I think it like would hail occasionally. Yeah, I, mean, I remember but- in high school, there'd be frost in the mornings too. Like there was a yeah. time when we had like, it wasn't like winter, winter conditions, but we had like ice. My my bones are much more fragile now. Okay, I can't. I can't. I don't. I don't regulate like I used to. So, and it hits different when you pay for your own electric bill, right? Like mm. my parents' place. I'm just like, I'm cold. Let's crank that baby up. Now it's like, oh, we cold. We putting on a sweater. See, this is why I like that I have a man cave now because all my electronics, my PS5, my TV, they all generate heat. heat. So, you know, I'm actually pretty cozy in my room right now. Yeah, I do try to like boil a lot of food when I'm, or like (laughs) use my oven. It's like the opposite of the summer when it's so hot, you don't want to turn on anything. I'm like, all right, we're making pasta. We're cooking some broth. We're roasting a potato, like anything to keep yellow yeah. warm. Bring back that pandemic bread baking skill set you have. No, no, that's too much. I can't. I work now. <laughs> I mean, you can just do bakes. Everything you do is just like a bake style. Yeah. Some gratins. That's true. Maybe, some casseroles maybe. see the problem is i realized a lot of my baking was stemming from my anxiety and now that i'm on medication like i don't really have an urge to bake anymore so <laughs> I, that's another conversation but i don't actually cool. bake but i use the oven for roasts and um frittatas and things like that mm, that voice you hear talking about fancy breakfast items yeah. is our own professional culture editor han win hey han frittata what, what do you put in your frittata it's whatever I have on hand. So the latest one I had, like, actually, I made it, like, kind of hearty. So I had tuna and tomatoes and, mm. and spinach. So it was kind of, like... How Mediterranean of you. Yeah. But the next one I was thinking, because I was eating it, and I was like, this is really yummy, but I kind of want something else. So I was thinking about putting glass noodles in it. Ooh. Oh, getting a little and Asian. Asian. Yeah, and putting some, like, shiitakes and stuff like that. So I, I eat eggs a lot. And every now and then I'm just like, why didn't I eat? like these last six eggs and so i was like oh frittata time because <laughs> cholesterol is why <laughs> it does well, it's i that's the egg like the, i don't believe in that because like my my <laughs> oh my i believe fine. as someone with high cholesterol i have as to someone with that. low cholesterol my, my <laughs> thing is like like if someone was like i'm gonna fry you up six eggs you're like oh no that's much too much we're like what if i put it in a pie format, but no crust. Will you eat six eggs? You're like, absolutely, I will. Well, I make it so hearty that I usually just have a, like a wedge and then I have it with rice. So that's actually one oh, meal for me. That's yeah, like so that, um, like 
the the Vietnamese steamed egg style. Like I, I do actually put a lot of liquids in it, so it does a lot of steaming too. So oh. uh, it's probably thicker than most people's frittata. See, I've been trying to up my egg game. Um, I recently bought The Food Lab, oh, yes. um, which is a great <laughs> book. And he has a chapter all about eggs. So now I'm like trying, like, what if I add some cream? What if I add some butter? Mm-hmm. Oh, that I'm, will always make anything taste yeah, good. Yeah, I'm a big proponent for like savory foods. You can't mess up too much. Of course you can. <laughs> but like recently I did this. I had, oh, say, okay, so I'm eating down my freezer, right? And so I was like, why do I have just four random tamales and, and, and this random tub of ricotta and stock? So I actually made sort of like a tamale porridge with all of that plus a bag of spinach and uh what else uh pico de gallo and stuff like that and um it's amazing and i just eat it with salsa verde on top (laughs) so it's very rich it's very fatty it's (laughs) yummy all right well we're not here to talk about our our breakfast games we're here to talk about the latest season of the white lotus the hbo series that just finished this past weekend and man what a finale um (laughs) i feel like i had to literally get off of twitter just so oh, yeah. I didn't see anything mm-hmm. until I watched the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my boss somehow made it through the next day without it. <laughs> and so as soon as we had our group meeting, she was like, I haven't seen the finale. So we're like, okay, we're not going to talk <laughs> about disclaimer, it. Disclaimer, do not talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Because that was the one thing. I had someone recap it. And I was just like, warning. Because I was like, I was paranoid. So I was like, do not put spoilers in the headline, the deck, or the photo. Use a group photo. And wow. So yeah. Like, That's yeah. very proactive of you. People get angry. And honestly, I've been doing this job enough that you, you know, I mean, I know how to do it. We'll get to it in our discussion. But one, like, it's been a while since I've watched a show that had this much mm-hmm. cultural zeitgeist. I mean, Andor was, a lot of people were into it, but it wasn't like, like this, right? It, no, I think like Game of Thrones, honestly, was the yeah. last time people cared this much about watch uh, what happened in a show like week by week. Yeah, HBO in general has that sort of that lock on the Sunday, but I think White Lotus, we can talk more about it. The appeal of yeah. White Lotus when we get there. So, Such a anyway. shame that uh, HBO is also going through all sorts of shit right now. Yeah. Uh, canceling shows left and right. David Zaslav. God damn him. Well, before we get anyway. to the White Lotus season two, let's find out what pop culture is bringing us through this week. Uh, Jess, I feel like what's popping with you is what's popping with the world right now. Well, okay, to be fair, I am not. Yes, my what's popping is the World Cup. I am not a football soccer fan. I do not know the rules, but you know, <laughs> it's like the Olympics. Like every four years, you, you know, for, for two years, because we get the women and the men's on alternating two years. Um, like, let's be real, the women's is like the American team, like, dominates so much. It's almost like, yeah, you know, we could talk about like how the lack of sports funding for women around the world is like its own issue, and there's a systematic reason why the United States like continually wins. But did you hear different- about actually on this note? Did you hear about how much like basically what the women's teams makes, like the women's oh, yeah. like for, for the women's players, like was it one point five million or something were on the line? Oh, of course, of course. That's why game? the women's team sued U.S. Soccer because they <laughs> were winning less. They were winning like. They were getting less money for winning the entire tournament than the men's team was getting, like, for playing in, like, the prelims. (laughs) And, like, again, like, the women's U.S. team is great. Like, we have Megan Rapinoe. There's a lot of Berkeley players that, um, you know, go Bears. 
players that come from that that go into the U.S. women's team. It's all very like gay too. So like love that. Look very sapphic. We love that. But it, it's you know it's it is kind of like women's team is like you know the U.S. is probably going to get it's it's very fun to watch because we do so well. Um, but but the men's team is like the United States is never going to get into like the semi quarterfinals even right like we, we we were it was like a big deal that we made it to knockout round this year um and generally like i i've gone on record i don't care about sports but i like sports narratives so i like all these like very dramatic like men are so fucking dramatic right like all these like epic sagas of like he is the most winning player in the world history but he's never won a gold you know a world cup or like he left uh, you know the whole messy thing of him like leaving argentina so young and like argentina like doesn't like him and they're like oh will he ever like gain the love of argentina so fucking dramatic love all of that but here's the thing here's the thing don't know anything about sports don't know anything about um soccer don't really know anything about the players except you know whether i think they're cute or not and i would kiss them also i don't really have live tv so i watch live streaming via peacock but but it's in spanish so i really have Same. no idea what is going on but i'm having a fucking great time because the spanish commentators are having a really good time um i love it when they say like full names like mm-hmm like harry crib harry crib or something um Mm -hmm. i'm just like i can assume what they're saying but you know at the end of the day it's a fairly easy game to follow it's not like american football where you're like why are we going why are there so much math adding subtraction it's like oh did the ball go into the net it did cool cool great great yeah I've also been watching it on uh, Telemundo Peacock streaming. Right, right. And it's fun. I think the commentators yeah. are way more fun, even if I, I don't understand them. I I understand quite a bit of it, so I actually have to m- put the volume down or mute it because I'll hear things where and all of a sudden I might look up, you know, for my work. But I do have to say foreign language background noise is very good if you're working because if you don't pick up on the words as much like i've been listening to a lot of k-pop while i work and i was like oh cool i don't have to sing along because i don't know the words yeah so yeah just enough stimulus but doesn't distract you from anything yeah so i have been enjoying it on uh telemundo and or whatever peacock and uh yeah uh that is the good thing is you can just follow it with your eyes and if you want that extra assignment you can you know listen to it too but um i i mean i know some of the finer points of soccer so we can talk about that for the finale but um you kind of you're right you kind of just don't need to know that much you don't need to know the basics is ball goal okay cool did he block (laughs) the ball did he touch it with his hands there um yes yeah i find that it's more it's a lot of fun to watch it with with people who know the game as well because When they get excited, that's your cue to also get excited. Yeah, because I know for soccer fans, you know, a lot of people are like, these are such low scoring games. I was like, but yeah, that 2-1 was a trouncing. And so if you watch it with fans, they get excited for all the little really good gameplay. And so if you if I actually get into a game, you'll start noticing me like just to pass. I'm like, ah, you know, or whatever, because you can tell how much skill goes into some of those movements. And when they make a major mistake and then the whole, you know, thing goes into the other direct, other direction. I feel that, you know, being a soccer player. So, um, I, I don't watch soccer on the regular, but world cup. I do. Mm. Same, same. It's like a, it's a, it's a, it's like Olympics. It's fun. Yeah. And I'm really excited for Morocco. I would, you know, really hope they're going to get, 
unlikely, but that they get to the finals. Uh, but like, I really like the French team too. Like, I think because because their fr- the French team is largely you know black French, and a lot of them. Um, I remember four years ago in 2018 they they won, and I was a big fan of Mbappe and like that team. And there was like a big story about how like these are a lot of you know young black men who had grown up in the outer suburbs of Paris, which were you know considered like you know, the lower class and, you know, France got a shit ton of racism. Like, I know America's bad, but like France is really bad too. And they don't even try to address it. So the fact that they're like the national, I'm just like, you know, like, yeah, fuck you, colonialism. Um, So this is, I'm just like, oh, I wish this was kind of the last game because it would have been fun, right? It's like mm. Morocco, former French colony, but France is also like full of like, uh, you know, black and brown players. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, um, and then I think the other team is shaping the other matches. Oh, they played today, right? Yeah. I was the, at work. So Croatia, Argentina, uh, my, my ideal finals would have been Morocco, Croatia, because I felt like or of the ones who made it that far because of the, uh, more underdog status of them. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. obviously I would have liked to have seen like an Asian you know team go all the way, but like, they're probably like less skilled overall, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if, you know, I just probably Lionel Messi's last even attempt at world. Mm-hmm. He's getting pretty old. Yeah. Um, and you know he, that poor boy just wants Argentina to love him so badly. They're so mean to him. <laughs> On that note, what's popping with you? What is popping with me? Um, I will talk about what's popping, but I I want to have a little bit of a rant corner here. <laughs> that could because, be what's popping too. What's popping? Well, it's not popping. <laughs> it's not popping. That's the thing. It's like. Is aren't we supposed to say the good pop that's getting us through our days? This I guess, one made, yeah. I this mean, one made me ill. This is a pop that you watched, and I am curious because there's been a lot of discourse about whether or not this series is culture. So, uh, so I had a screening of Avatar: The Way of Water. So that's Avatar two last night, and right before that, I almost I want to say binged watched Avatar because I never have, and You've never I watched Avatar. Yeah, I hated Avatar. <laughs> um, not only did everyone warn me about the colonialism, which was very apparent, but also no one warned me about the ableism in it. And I was just like, this is like also the worst ending. And so I'm going into Avatar 2. Like, I didn't like that movie. This better be better because people kept raving about it. And um, I will say, Way of Water, all the water scenes are amazing. And if they just did that, I would be happy. Give me an hour of that, like as my background um, fireplace Yule log and on Disney Plus, I'll be fine with that. But no, they had to add like this horrible, horrible plot. Um, the the same Avatar guy is back. And so, you know, it's a white guy who was a wheelchair user who is now in this blue Avatar body. And he keeps talking about how, how he's like, we, 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 as if he was always this indigenous person. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and then that's just part of it. The rest of it is just, oh, my God. So much annoying, heavy handed crap. Um, people are going to disagree with me. People are going to love this film. I Here's the other thing, though. I got so sick 
because I saw it in 3D. Mm. Oh, God. Um, I actually literally puked. <laughs> so, oh, no. so besides actually making me sick, I also felt angry and like ill the whole time I was watching it. Um, anyway, so that was my rant. But Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, really quickly, I feel like watching Avatar for me the first time, and this was back in like, what was that, college when it came out? Like when, when did Avatar? 2009. Yeah. 2009. Wow. Okay, after college. I remember watching it saying, this looks super dope, but this story, it's tough. The story is so bad because that's the other thing about this second film is now this guy has kids and I need to look at the voice casting because I was just like, what is going on here? You know, um, there's because a lot of these people and then they meet with other indigenous Navi, whatever avatar type. They're not called avatars. You know, they're called the Navi. <laughs> and um. And so there's a lot of accent work going on. And then sometimes they look like the Maori because they're doing the tongue thing. And I was just like, this is not good. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I, I, I don't know why people can't you know, see that. Anyway. <laughs> I'm glad you answered this question, which is, is it still super tone deaf? Which apparently it is. Yeah. Oh, but there's also knew, a white yeah. Tarzan kid there. Oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Avatar was never was always tone deaf. I think the discourse around it was like, man, they really just remade Pocahontas, but with blue people. And this um, time, it's a free Willy in space. So you, you know when you sell it like that, though, that looks that sounds good. Yeah. No, I, that's as I said, all the aquatic stuff, animals underwater, all that stuff is actually great. And I think that they just thought they needed this extra, you know, like marine military. The sky people colonizing and and blowing up the planet, that type of storyline, which is, again, heavy handed, not just colonialism, but environmentalism. So it's like, we get it. All right, guys, we get it. But I was like, maybe this is the way to reach people who are dumb. Um, (laughs) uh, Really quickly, I do want to say something positive about what I have been watching. And the reason why I want to bring it up is because it's actually timely. Um, I started catching up with uh, Alchemy of Souls, a K-drama that is not a period drama, but it looks like one and because it's actually a fantasy, you know, like how Game of Thrones is like somewhat medieval. So this is a fantasy drama that is set in a slightly older time because they keep wearing robes and stuff. Um, there's a lot of... They keep wearing robes. <laughs> there, there's a lot of magic. There's people switching bodies. Um There's, of course, a female protagonist who has like three guys in love with her. Um, But what I loved about it was it's also funny and deliberately funny. Um, So they kind of know tongue in cheek that this is kind of like an overwhelming plot um, and they're going to get you in the feels in the end. But at the same time, they like lighten it up and balance it out with some humor. Um, I just finished part one and then part two, lo and behold, uh, started up just this past weekend. So they're dropping two episodes a week and now I'm down with the whole community i go to reddit every single night after an episode airs and i just talk about the characters <laughs> you know i can respect that that's how i was with andor and that's how i am sometimes with mm-hmm. some of the um, shows that i watch the best part is just being a part of the discourse i think that's something that you lose when it's binge mode but yeah. yes. and, i also, also binge mode <laughs> yeah my other thing is there isn't a community to talk about k-dramas in the greater American journalism discourse. It's something that I'm like thinking about trying to fix, but not fix, but like enter into. But the thing is we still can't do like daily recaps or, you know, that type of stuff. So that's where I go to Reddit just for that fun discourse. And then 
hopefully I can like figure out some like more meaningful discourse through my job. But yeah, uh, it's <laughs> there's no one else to talk to about it. So I have to go to Reddit. I mean, now that Twitter is increasing its character limit to 4,000, you can start doing daily tweets, oh, recaps. <sighs> now that you've been I demoted some- to uh, may or may not be notable person, Han Wen. Yeah, I'm a legacy verified, so that means I may or may not be notable. Um, blue check. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's me. Uh, that was actually what's popping, not what I was puking. Um, Marvin, what's popping with you? All right, so um, I was browsing my Roku, trying to find something to watch when, um, you know, sometimes on Roku they have like a little hero ad section in the bottom corner, and I noticed it was the Great American Bake Off holiday edition mm-hmm. um so obviously i want to check it out so i watched the great american bake-off which is kind of like one of those one-off celebrity bake-off challenges i guess this one was made exclusively for roku yes yes, yes. The, yes. their roku is doing originals now yeah and i gotta say this it was surprisingly good like compared to like some of the episodes we got in the proper Great British Bake Off challenge and some of the other like celebrity challenges. Like, um, we actually got some good baking, some good character work, and nothing really offensive, which I was really surprised because sometimes, or not sometimes, usually when we get an American version of a foreign show, it becomes like worse in the way. It, worse. It, yeah. Like more American. Yeah. More aggro. <laughs> but when the British show is offensive, then hey, there's nowhere else to go but up, right? Yes. So. <laughs> well, when it um, comes to making American foods, at least we got them there. Right, right, right. So um, I don't know if either of you have watched this yet or if you have Roku at all to watch it, um, but we, we can watch it somehow. Because I think it's, it is actually worth watching because um, surprisingly, there's it, they actually got a pretty diverse um, group of contestants. So they got six bakers, um, celebrity bakers. It's Chloe Feynman, um, Nat Faxon. Liza Koshi, who is, she's part South Asian and she's like a YouTube person. Um, mm-hmm. Marshawn Lynch, speaking of Go Bears. Yes. Um, he's great in everything. Like, <laughs> he's just a, he's just a joy. I like how Marshawn Lynch is like the ideal, like, if you just had a lot of money and could do whatever you wanted, um, instead of like causing havoc, he's just like, I'm a, pop on to weird shows and like not cause problems. Oh, and he's having a great time. It's worth watching alone just to, just to see his interactions with Paul and Prue. Yes. And watching them trying to figure out this strange Marshawn man. Lynch. Yeah. <laughs> um, also Darcy Carden, who was Janet from the good place and our very own Joe Kim booster. I do have a question though, because the host is Zach Cherry. Who's like, I know from Twitter and Twitter personality, I believe he's like a writer comedian. Fine with Zach. And Ellie Kempler, which are we going to gloss over the whole white supremacy princess pageant thing? Like, have we reconciled that in the culture or did everyone just forget? No, we wrote about it. And it uh, calling her that was maybe a little overblown, even though there were ties to that or, you know, whatever. So whether or not she knew that going in you know it's kind of like just the same with the other debutante balls so i don't know it was i still don't love her um i i think everyone loving uh, um kimmy schmidt was as like meh that show's all right you know bad asian (laughs) in it so bad asian portrayal in it so um 
That's true. I mean, thing. it's a Tina Fey joint, so. Yeah, yeah, so that's required. <laughs> really can't Nuff really. Said. <laughs> it's a trope by now. Nuff said. Um, yeah, um, but in terms of hosting, they weren't, like, it, they were fine. Nothing they offensive. Just, yeah, they didn't they even make any, there. like, yeah, like, their jokes weren't even, like, you know how, like, whenever Matt Lucas is on screen <laughs> during regular Bake Off, we're, like, bracing ourselves for the offensive joke? Mm-hmm. Yes. None of that. Maybe, yeah. It's also, maybe that's just his brand. And he's gone now. Woo-hoo. Just off-putting. That's my brand. Yeah. But yeah, as a, as an episode, it's it's probably one of the stronger celebrity episodes that I've seen. So I think if you guys do end up watching it, you won't be like disappointed in the baking. Um, there's a lot of great moments um, coming from specifically Marshawn Lynch, um, but also Jokin Booster. Um, he basically takes any opportunity to just take off his jacket and show off his guns in the kitchen. I'm fine with that. And in one scene, even his butt. So... Um, I do, (laughs) and yet, yet even and knowing Joe Kim Booster, like again, following him outside, like on Twitter and his comedy and like all his interviews, I'm also just like, oh, this is such a sanitized version of him. (laughs) He does have a couple moments where you kind of see his inner pettiness come out, which is also great. Um, But overall, I kind of feel like if we can get like a mainline American show with this vibe. I would watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe Roku will become that thing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, um, also on Roku are all these celebrity challenges that we didn't see. So I actually went and watched that one episode with James McAvoy, which was like, <gasps> oh, which was great. Oh, he was so uh, hot. Okay, see, that's what I need to watch. <laughs> Buried the lead there. Yeah, um, I feel bad because I was going through the episode list because there's like seven seasons of this celebrity show. And I don't know any of these other ones. I think the only other person I knew in one of the episodes was John Lithgow. Oh, interesting. Since you do have the Roku app, I think you can watch the Weird Al Yankovic um, oh, biopic yeah. with Daniel Radcliffe. That was the one downside to watching the show on Roku was way more commercial breaks than I expected. But I did learn that I can watch the Weird Al movie, which I probably yeah. will. So yeah, that's what's popping for me. Um, definitely check it out. If you have access to Roku... And you are a fan of Bake Off. This you'll, you'll be happy with it. I think you will. Um, perfectly fine holiday viewing. Speaking of perfectly fine holiday viewing, when we come back, we're going to talk about the White Lotus season two. So please stick around. Hello, I'm Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, directors, stunt people, background extras. You know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at alltheasiansonstartrek.com. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Arrakis to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Luen Yang. You 
might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that. But you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we are talking about the HBO series, The White Lotus, specifically The White Lotus Season 2, which just finished this past weekend. The White Lotus is a black comedy anthology series produced and written by Mike White about a group of rich tourists who spends a week in Sicily at the titular White Lotus. Um, And much like the first season, it begins with the discovery of a dead body before flashing back seven days to tell us a story of what led up to the potential murder. Uh, much like the first season, we have a star-studded ensemble cast, including Jennifer Coolidge returns for a second season. Um, we have Michael Imperioli, Abby Plaza, Will Sharp, Theo James, Haley Lou Richardson, F. Miriam Abraham, among others. So uh, I didn't actually watch the first season. Um, I think I was to. scared you off of it. You don't have to. You don't need to. This one is much better. <laughs> like right off the bat, a lot better because... Mike White, very talented. I think he has a vision, but like big, big blind spots that we didn't, that weren't necessarily as problematic or like jarring as in the first season, Um, which is why I I did enjoy the season a lot more. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I was scared off of that first season because of what you, you, both of you have told me about how it does not handle the racial issues of a resort in hawaii very well no it does not so you know setting it in sicily in italy um i think we're just taking a lot of the baggage out i mean it's not i can't it feels weird to say this especially given my track record but like everyone is like 80 percent of the cast main cast is white and playing white american characters or italian And with the exception of one couple, but it's never really brought up. They brought it up Um, once. They they brought it up once, but it's inconsequential, which I actually think is still kind of weird because of the roles they play. Mm -hmm. Um, They are both, you know, it's not explicit. Aubrey Plaza's character is explicitly named as half Puerto Rican. Will Sharp, who in real life is part Japanese, is never... It's never mentioned that he is. They just say that uh, they just acknowledge that they are the white passing couple. So it's just noted that they are maybe perhaps not all white. That's all. Yes. It is strange. And I mean, I guess we can talk about it a little bit here that like it wasn't a bigger plot point. And I, I, I mean, I feel like part of it is just maybe it's Mike White realizing that he is not good at writing that. Well, so let's just steer yeah. away. Well, that's the thing is. It's not just that. I think the promise we had with the first season was he brought up colonialism and yet at the same time did didn't, not. Didn't talk about or unpack colonialism. Didn't unpack it and also just kind of like ignored it. Like you brought it up, but you didn't really engage with it. And so everyone like dinged him for that. So this time he was like, I'm not engaging with anything and everyone going to be kind of white. So um, so on the <laughs> one hand, there were less of those pitfalls. But on the other hand, uh, 
where are like is everyone of color like you're in Italy there are black people there there are you know a lot of other people so uh there are actually rich black people they can go on vacation too so there's a lot of like it's a choice for him to also have yeah. cast this way yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword because, again, on one hand, I'm like, I don't. I think Mike White. It's proven that he doesn't know how to handle some of these mm-hmm. deeper things. That's blind spot. And considering that he wrote and directed every single episode for this season, I don't know if he also did that last season. But like, he's not willing to bring on, you know, a room to help him flush out some of those blind spots, um, which is. We'll get you to... know maybe not ideal, and allegedly, you know, if we've been following his interviews for season three, he wants to explore quote unquote Eastern spirituality, <laughs> probably Sambali or somewhere like that, which I think could be hilarious. But it's like not if he's not going to engage kind of additional writers who can call out those blind spots. Yeah, yeah. he's going to definitely need some sort of consultants who are going to like push back and like give him some notes i mean season two is such a huge hit i don't know if his ego will allow it to happen exactly but (laughs) that's why i'm kind of when i heard him say that in his little behind the episode thing i was laughing because i was like i can't wait i can't wait for the orientalism or whatever's going to be in there um and to i don't know i don't know if we want this at all oh i don't want it but i can't wait because it's like it's one of those things where it's like if he insists on doing that he needs to learn so (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like you guys are describing my thoughts about this show, which is I get that it is compelling and interesting, but I don't know exactly what it's trying to say. Oh, yeah. He doesn't know what he wants to say. <laughs> he, 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 he goes with themes, right? Like, yeah. um, he, it was clearly like this, like last year, it was like there was a lot of death themes. Um, this year, it is sex and violence, you know, and he even talked about that, like, well, I was thinking about themes. And so that's why he was like spirituality next season, maybe, and perhaps Eastern. And so I was like, yeah, you were just talking about themes. So this is almost like a tone poem for him <laughs> where you're just kind of getting vibes and, you know, you're feeling things, but it's not really going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, like there, I think, I think it's like an amalphous, like we're circling around the central question. But as a viewer, I could not really tell you what the thesis statement or the thesis question even was but he does paint you know i think he i think what mike white does and white lois does really well is like they get kind of dimensionality of this theme through various characters the way they interact and i did laugh a lot in this season um more than i did in the in in the first um and and it is really fun to see like the campy ensemble that of characters he brings together in a beautiful location and i think ultimately like it's all a bunch of you know bad people like people like i didn't really like any character like i enjoyed watching them go through the rigmarole of what this whole week was but at the end of the day i'm like with the exception of actually um what's her name daphne daphne seems like a good time i would hang out with daphne everyone else i'm like ooh. if you die i'm not that heartbroken and you all kind of deserve it in your own way for being stupid it's rich (laughs) people being stupid i think it's the fun of watching rich people being stupid yeah and part of the fun is you know one of these people 
or more are going to die. More, right? Because in the first episode, they're like, a few are going to die. Yeah. And the way they resolve it, and we'll, again, as always, we'll do a spoiler cast after the credits. We'll we'll talk about who dies and and if that worked for us. Um, But, like, the entire, I, I, I watched this in three nights with my wife. And the entire time we were like, I can see any of these people dying because they all des- like they all kind of deserve it. Yeah, oh, definitely. I, I do like the idea that he kind of did the reverse of like the murder mystery. You know, let's figure out who dies <laughs> instead of like who killed who, um, even though that's part of it, too. Um, I mean, yeah, because everyone yeah. has motive. Everyone has. Um, mm-hmm. has Everyone's worthy of death. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, you know, that's good on him. That's, I think, one of the reasons why people get excited about the show, even though I don't. <laughs> uh, I'm one of those people who I basically, I was glad we were doing this podcast because uh, this is the number one talked about show. I knew I had to watch it and catch up by the finale and I hadn't watched one episode. So this made me watch it. Um, it is a pleasurable watch um, in certain respects. Like it's it's pretty you know, it took place in Italy, so it's gorgeous. They hire a lot of pretty people. Um, the storylines are pretty simple to follow, compelling, you know, like it, it deals with sex or love or whatever. So there's nothing too, you know, trying yeah. about it. It's not depressing. Uh, so it's a little you know, depressing, existentially. Well, it, it, no, it's, <laughs> I think it is, uh, it has no real heart, but. I, I was able to unplug from it. That's what I mean by not depressing. Like no one's dying of cancer that I have to watch. Well, although the first season they kind of hinted that someone might be. Um, if I can watch a show and okay, then go to bed. money solves everything. Yeah. If I can watch a show and go to bed without getting disturbed by it, that's what I mean by not depressing. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I will say maybe this says something more poorly about me, but my biggest takeaway from this whole season watch was. I really want to go to this hotel for my honeymoon, and I hope the weather is good enough in Sicily in mid-October. You know, I was thinking about that, too, because, well, not to have the honeymoon, because I don't have a honeymoon, but um, the very first episode, they talk about someone's luggage getting lost, and she, and then the uh, the uh, hotel proprietor is like, uh, you should transfer through Munich. Because, you know, they don't lose your luggage. Because Rome is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just like noted for when I travel to Italy. (laughs) I mean, in a way, I mean, the hotel itself is a character in this show. And I don't know about you, but the way they shot the hotel gave haunted vibes. Well, there are a lot of faces. A lot of these pottery. I I don't even call them bus, but uh, faces. And I'm sure it's a very popular type of art in Italy, but I don't know them. I don't know. Jess, are you familiar with them? I am not. Um, Sicily is a little different from the rest of Italy, right? Like it's on in, like it's, it's south. Um, and I think traditionally it has been seen as more working class. Like, I mean, that's where the Godfather like happens, right? Like and they bring up the Godfather a lot. So I don't know. I can report back in a year when I go maybe go to this hotel and see if there's really all these heads looming around um that to me that does seem like a production choice I feel like it's a very poor placement to have a floating head on a pedestal in the middle of a suite I mean it was definitely there as a vibe setting piece right and you know they go over the whole urban legend about what's like a nun it's like a bust of a nun who like murdered a man for cheating on his wife or something yeah, yeah. It's, something it's, like that a- like everything about that like is 
he looked up all of the the storylines that have to do with passion and sex and all the art in the rooms have to do with passion and sex. And so that's also one of the reasons why you kept thinking that everyone was going to be murdered because there was a lot of passion and sex and jealousy and distrust going on in there. I mean, um, in the tradition of great show openings, like this show had a pretty like intense opening sequence that starts with like beautiful like Renaissance era art pieces depicting people who are like cuddling or doing each other and quickly devolves into like scenes of like stabbing. Right? Yes. And violence and, and, and the, the bird, their bird calls. Like, I, yeah, it was like, Oh, <laughs> oh I, can we, can we do the yodel? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the music was perfect. I, I feel a little bit bad. It took me a while to catch up on this because I've done stories about um, main title sequences. And this one definitely would have qualified as a really memorable one because the, uh, the sequences of like the, the way they make this vaguely, renaissance vaguely you know italian art that progresses from beautiful to people getting stabbed while also people getting you know sex you know getting sex getting head or you know having sex (laughs) i Uh, will say that opening like graphics also the vibe i want for my wedding not the like (laughs) creepy part but like i can even do the sexy part but like just that like watercolor i was like this is aesthetics i i really enjoy this yeah i am literally looking up the real hotel that they filmed at um also man what a you know we have our critiques of mike white and his work but man what a fucking genius for being like i'm gonna create a whole series based on luxury resorts Mm -hmm. so i can go fucking stay in these luxury resorts Yep. Or work in these luxury resorts for, you know, around the world. And these suites that, um, the suites run, well, well, like the most expensive suites you have to call to book. So, you know, that's, you know, a lot. But the highest price they're listing, and this is like in May, so not even like the peak, is like 6,000 euro a night. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, I'm okay. I don't think I can afford that, but maybe like that's like a whole vacation's maybe, worth of hotel stays for right? a normal person. Exactly. Maybe like maybe like one night. Just to like vibe. <laughs> you got Not points. In the suite. Is this like a is I do have points. I'm or? trying to like hustle. I'm trying to do like the point churning. So we'll see what <laughs> we can we, I can do. Maybe it'll be a little cheaper knock, like off season. But there do seem to be a lot of head based statue like statuary images in these rooms so maybe these heads are there oh interesting well you'll have to report back to us i will do and try not to turn into a horrible rich person because man there are a ton of them in this show i mean again i haven't seen the first season but i imagine the vibe it's similar vibes right like this is a depiction of what rich people do on vacation how they live different lives than the rest of us yeah, I, I maybe that's also the appeal. Um, I, in general, don't like rich people shows. Um, I made an exception for Succession um, <laughs> because of the ridiculous over-the-top writing and the amazing acting. But even in the past season, I was going like, I'm a little bit over it. So this one, you know, I get why people like it. And, you know, just watching vacation stuff is fun. Same thing why people like watching, like, Selling Sunset, like, you know, that sort of porn um but uh i'm kind of over this too (laughs) so (laughs) i mean i I did like watching the interactions between specifically the the two rich couples right um cameron and daphne played by theo james and 
um, Michelle Fahey, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Megan Fahey. Megan, Megan. Fahey. Um, and their friends, Ethan and Harper, played by Will Sharp and Aubrey Plaza. And again, um, to reiterate what we said before, I wish they did something more with kind of these two couples because one couple is like a rich finance bro couple. Cameron plays like a finance bro who's been rich for a long time. And Will Sharp plays Ethan, who just became rich because he just sold his company for like a ton of money, right? And actually, it's implied that he's now richer than Cameron, right? Mm-hmm. And they kind of see how money changes people and specifically like how this rich couple kind of imparts their like rich people ways to this other couple who weren't rich before and are also like technically like they're white passing but not white. And Yeah. But the irony is that, you know, Harper and Ethan, this newly wealthy couple who are not white, um, they just seem like so unhappy and so like dull and boring like i just wonder like like and i don't think that it was money that made them that way i think it, it seems like they have been in that kind of dynamic for a very long time and then i mean i don't want to spoil what happens but essentially like it, it, it to me it was a very unexpected character development for that couple as to how they ended up yeah i feel like this show takes a very cynical view on Love and happiness, love and, happiness and, and money, marriage and money. <laughs> yes, um, yes. and like on human nature in general, right? Like one of the other themes besides you know sex is that everyone's out for themselves, right? Every single character in this show, their number one goal is self-preservation, right? Like doing what's best for oneself, and you know, for some of them it works out, for others it doesn't. Um, but I don't. I just I felt like. I know it's a black comedy, but it was just, it just felt like super cynical in terms of like its yeah. view on like people. Yeah. Well, it it's also like, I know it's deliberate, like you said, um, showing these rich people who are, who not, who are taking everything for granted. But I was just like, besides the beautiful views, like there wasn't enough focus on the things I like about traveling, which is the food. And, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, how do you go to Hawaii and Italy and not give me enough food content? Like, oh. yeah, like these rich people go on vacation in like Sicily and st- Spend every single dinner at the hotel restaurant. Is this how that's rich what are I was? That was driving me insane. Oh I'm like, what do you mean you're eating every single night at this hotel? Like, yeah, like you're in ugh. Italy. Like, I get the breakfast. It's free breakfast. Whatever. Like, yeah, free breakfast buffet. That's fine. But like, yeah, like only, yeah, only once did they, did someone go out and they like did a dine and dash. We, you know, spoiler, but you know, for arancini. But at least that was like the closest thing. But they didn't actually show the orangey. I mean, so, Tanya did go out with her husband on her, you know, her yeah. dream Italian but, day. But I think that maybe you know part of like part of that like bubble that the show is trying to say about wealthy people, right? Like, why would you go to this? I mean, also logistics, like nothing better than a dinner scene at the resort to get everybody in the same place at the same time. That's a great device. <laughs> But it's it's also like, you know, you go to these places and you you need to be pampered, right? Like I think that's that is also kind of a comment on or or the like kind of just the overall convention of the white lotus. That's true because for like you and me, 
going to like an Italian vacation is like a once in a lifetime thing. Like we'll only go there once in our lives and we need to do as much as we can. Whereas these people can probably go there like every weekend if they wanted to. Yeah. I mean, I mean I've been to Italy a few times, so, <laughs> but, but there is like a different way of like, do you vacation or do you travel? Right. And these people are vacationing and vacationing implies a certain amount of like, you're there to relax. You're there to not engage with the locals unless, you know, they're there to serve you. And we do see that dynamic with the hotel manager, the sex workers, who are my favorite two characters, by the way. Yeah. Um, fun. And they have the most genuine, loving, like, relationship dynamic. Uh, Lu- Lucia and Mia are, like, genuinely, like, kind to each other and look out for each other. Also, Lucia has the cutest hair. <laughs> and I really want to cut my hair like hers. And I'm trying to w- hold myself back. It, it feels like, you know, like, you know, when you a big life event happens and you just decide to cut bangs and then you regret it. So I'm trying to like sit on it. But like, I'm just like, why are you so fucking cute? Like, I want to look like that. Can I? I want to be a hot Italian sex worker. Like, if that's what I can look like. <laughs> what did we think about the... Like speaking of Lucia, the three men that she interacts with, the um, the the toxic masculinity three pack that we get, the family <laughs> of toxic masculinity dudes. Um, Take your pick, whatever which whatever yeah. flavor of toxic masculinity you want, it's represented in this family. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. straightforward one who's old school. Like I'm just complimenting her. Ask you know, <laughs> uh, that was F. Murray Abraham did a really good job on that. Uh, he was great. Yeah. Uh, and then the son, Michael Imperioli, who is the gadabout, uh, cheats on everyone on his wife uh, with multiple women. And he's like, but I blame you, dad. I learned it from you. Uh, <laughs> my favorite, and, though, is probably and their uh, nice guy's son. Yeah. And the ultimate nice guy, capital M, <laughs> capital G. Because TM, as soon as he, yeah, as he <laughs> soon as he said nice guy, I was like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> The worst is for me. The worst is actually Albie because mm-hmm. I think it's very ge- it's very generational, right? Like at least with Grandpa and Dad, they are kind of aware that they're gross, or like they kind of like maybe Grandpa, but he's also like halfway out the door mentally, so it's kind of like you know at that point, like it's not great. He shouldn't be sexually harassing all these people, but. You know, what are we going to do now? Your mind's not even there. Dad at least has the decency to be like, no, he's kind of fucked up and that he should be a little discreet and not so, you know, forward about it. Uh, But he's still going to do it. But um, and then but like like the whole thing with Albie is like the white knighting and the nice guy. Like, again, I think it's a generational thing like that is just like you are just as bad. Uh, if not worse, because you aren't, you genuinely, you just think you're such a good guy. Like, he thinks he's such a good guy. And then ultimately, you know, you're not. You're just exactly like, at the, you know, the last shot we see of them. And just like, you're going to go down the same path as those before you. You have not sensed, you know, you've not broken the cycle. Where's the real fan? The fake feminism is like my pet peeve. I was like, no, you're disgusting. You're still disgusting. And, um. That is how we get, you know, incels, which mm-hmm. was a word that they, you know, talked about in this show. Yeah. Uh, and and the fact that you feel owed women's bodies um, or their sexuality, which is why, again, I'm rooting for the sex workers. 
Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was the most straightforward, which I thought was funny because it's like, yeah, hey, these are sex workers. They're making their money. They're basically telling you up front, this is what you get. And um, I mm-hmm. felt like those were the transactions that just felt the happiest. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and you know, like, especially their interaction interaction with valentina and like the other working class people right it's this hierarchy of like this valentina wants to see herself who's a hotel manager wants to you know keep the joint classy and wants you know want thinks that she is better than them but you know lucia very rightfully points out like you know what hotels were built for right like we're essentially all doing the same job you're just like is it any different selling like your service in this way than me selling my service. And, you know, I'm sure Lucia's getting a lot more money down the line. So <laughs> Valentina also someone who needs a lesson or two in consent. Maybe she, she's, she's a boss who kind of doesn't exactly understand where the line is. Um, but she's also struggling kind of with her own. This is one where she's struggling with her own identity. There are spoilers here. So uh, in, yeah. in that struggle, she, um, steps over the line when it comes to bossing around her her employees. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's she's kind of on a power trip in order to have that control sometimes. But I also, in general, don't blame her. When we get to the spoiler section, we can talk about her more yeah. deeply. Um, yeah. But it's something important to note that uh, from the beginning is like besides all the faces that we see in the rooms with the the sculptured heads and stuff like that. There's also an episode where like. Um, the married women go to uh, Noto and then like all the men are like gazing after them like voraciously and so there is a lot of male gaze there's a lot of sex going on in the in their eyes <laughs> um, but the nice thing about Valentina is that she sees everything too or she she observes everything too and so she kind of offers a counter to that like um you know, she she might be off, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed her character. She's she's just very funny, too. Like, yeah. I think one of the first lines you see her is just like, oh, you're very old. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just like I'm just like, oh, my God. what are you She's very straightforward. Yeah, I, I she has opinions. Again, I love <laughs> I love a straightforward, uh, opinionated person who actually isn't scared to speak their mind. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she definitely is someone who. And maybe it's like, is this an Italian thing where they're just very blunt about describing things? Because it's like, oh, it must be hard for you to come up here because you're so old. It's something that I mean, you would I don't want to make generalities about the Italians, but in my white's world, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of Albi, um, the object of his affection for at least the first like three episodes is um, Portia played by Haley Lou Richardson. Yeah, yeah she was in um, uh, Edge of 17. Great movie. And Columbus, the very boring movie with John Cho. Don't watch that one. She was good in it. Yeah. <laughs> Who is the um, assistant of fan favorite character, Tanya, who played by Jennifer Coolidge, who she won the, an Emmy for this role from season one, right? I think it was Jennifer Emmy. Coolidge is fantastic. I've been a fan of hers for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, but I mean, she's so good at playing this character, right? But I will say Tanya is like, one of the dumbest characters I have ever seen on TV. But because she's played by Jennifer Coolidge, you can't help but still like her and root for her. But like, I think out in a vacuum, if I didn't have this history with Jennifer Coolidge, I'd be like, Tanya, you fucking dumbass. (laughs) And she's horrible to Portia, right? She's absolutely horrible. Treats her assistant like terrible. 
But also, Portia's kind of also a big dumbass. But at least she's young and you kind of like... Yeah. Kind of like rationalize, like, you know, lack of experience. And I didn't realize but, this because I only binged the series this past weekend. But I guess her wardrobe has been an ongoing point of contention from the fan base who like Twitter hates the way she dresses, which I find funny because she dresses like how Internet people dress. Well, she dresses. Someone was like, have you ever been to like a school in the Bay Area? Like this is how Bay Area girls dress. <laughs> like, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. But that's like I the vibe yeah i enjoyed it like first of all wait until emily in paris premieres and she's wearing like as sort of eclectic and colorful and two-piece uh uh tummy torso bearing stuff but she's just richer so it's kind of like uh or at least the fashions are more expensive so i'm just like why are you judging this girl (laughs) you know um she's at least having fun and i also think it was interesting because a lot of people were praising Aubrey Plaza's um, outfits, which were nice, but they were just also very there. And so I think it was it, it definitely shows a sort of like critique about, I think, privilege what, and and sort of conformity. What people were saying was like, OK. And I was just like, at least Haley Lou Richardson's character, Portia, whatever, is having fun. She's trying different things out. She's, you know, she seemed still. like the only person on the show who like actually wanted to see things in Sicily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wanted to feel something. And instead of staying in a hotel like all of them, yeah, she was trying to get out and do something, feel something. And uh, yeah, so I enjoyed her character. Haley Lou Richardson also um, consulted with the costume designer. So she helped create Portia's look uh which I love actually (laughs) so yeah good on her and you know what I think it's great for the character I think it's like you know it's deliberately kind of hodgepodge yeah um and it makes sense for the character yeah people are talking about it yeah as someone who occasionally puts together just really weird outfits because I can and I'm just like what the fuck uh so yeah (laughs) yeah um I also like the Tanya scenes I can see why people like her she's like the most memeable character in this entire show. Like I've already seen like her quotes from these last few episodes all over the internet already, but uh, I just feel like her scenes are just so is, is the cringe part of it. Cause like her, her scenes are just very, they're, it's good cringe, but I was like, I felt my skin like crawl off my body a couple of times just whenever she yes. spoke anything. Yes. I think that is part of it. I think her like more narcissism versus with mixed, with her privilege and her genuine like ignorance Mm -hmm. is all deliberate. (laughs) Cause I'm just like, you know, again, no spoilers, but like knowing what we know now, it's just like, duh, like, like, ma'am, ma'am, your husband, your husband does not like you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You see this show has a diversity in its depictions of horrible rich people. Horrible rich people (laughs) is not a monolith. There are many, many representations here, as is how horrible rich people like to have sex with each other. And I got to say, I know this is HBO. I wasn't expecting so so many penises to be on the show. Right? There was a lot of, yeah, a lot of butts. It's the new frontier, I think. Um, I was just talking about penises with Marvin. (laughs) And if you... As you do. Yeah. The Dear Departed... uh, HBO Max show Minx had a sort of a parade of penises in episode two, I believe, when they were auditioning people to be in a magazine uh, uh, 
for a porn magazine for women. Um, and then also, I think a couple years ago, a year ago, whatever, uh, Zola had also a sequence. Oh, so many pieces, yeah. penises and Zola. Yeah. Nasty looking ones too. Yeah. You know, we're, just, we're just going to get a lot of more penises. I think people think it's now the new way to kind of have equity and, but still kind of like titillate in some way. Um, guys don't need a lot of excuses to have penises. And also a lot of them are uh, prosthetic. Oh yeah, that's that's lame. Like if you're gonna show, I know Theo James's was prosthetic. There's, but a, man, yeah, if you're gonna show penis, like fucking ball out and show me some fucking penis. <laughs> There's a show, a really bad show on Netflix called Sex Life, um, and there is a penis scene in there where I was like, dude. I don't want to even think about you guys having sex because that sounds looks painful. So <laughs> it's just it's such a weird show. But anyway, yes. So there's all these penises everywhere. Not you know, <laughs> you know, it's it does says a lot about it being like having like a peen shot is still shocking and like people are like, what what was mm-hmm. that? Whereas mm-hmm. we don't bat an eye on like boob shots anymore, right? Yeah, there were some breasts. We did see some breasts, but definitely wasn't like overplayed, which is good. Fine. I'm Yeah. All right. So um we're gonna stick a pin in that now. Um join us again after the show for our spoiler talk where we'll probably talk about the resolution of the murder mystery. Um before we go, let's um let's hear our final verdicts. Um is the White Lotus season two good pop? I think it is. It's I do, I do think it's a little overhyped in the general culture, but I think it is a well done show. Um, I think it has. I I think the audience reception and the you know the fact that it's like the one show that people are still watching all together at the same time and talking about is its true power. So I am hoping that Mike White expands his um <laughs> team a little bit for the next season, especially if he is doing. Spirit, Eastern spirituality, um, and I assume that means it's going to be set somewhere in the east. My bet is Bali. Uh, that's like the center of rich white people going to you know eat, pray, love themselves. Um, but I do hope it is handled better than you know the indigenating and imperialism of season one. But uh, my hopes aren't super high. But at the very least, I hope it brings up the discussion of. What are we talking about? And I do hope at the end of the day, some of our friends, even if the show's not perfect, gets to go and shoot in a beautiful five-star resort in Bali. Yeah. I mean, uh, so here's another possibility is it could be Maldives because I believe Daphne actually said, hey, what's next? Maldives, which is is South Asia. But um, so for me, I personally, I don't think it's really good pop. It's fine. Um, I, I'm happy for people to have work. It's not the worst show, so I'm not like begrudging this. But I definitely think it's overhyped. I honestly, if I didn't have to, I wouldn't have watched the show. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's not the most offensive, but just wait. It could be. Um, it could be. <laughs> yeah, it's it, for me. It's just a sort of a forgettable show, except for the star power that's in it. And I think it's nice that. People are getting a chance to like do different things, so that's nice. But yeah, overall, I'm not I'm not into the show. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna land on the good side. Uh, I haven't seen the first season. I don't know if I'll be as charitable for the first season, but for season two, I I'll, I will say that um, you know my wife and I bounce off a lot of shows. 
Um, sometimes I have to just go on and watch by myself. And for this one, we were both pretty on board the whole entire time. Um, personally, I wish it leaned more into the murder mystery, you know, mm-hmm. side of things that we were promised from the from the setup. But at the same time, the drama was pretty compelling, even though ultimately, again, I have no idea what the show is trying to say or if it even is trying to say anything. Um, ultimately, like there's no like, like I wish it had more of a point of view or at least we saw more of like a, you know, a a thesis or just some sort of like, like, yes, we know rich people are terrible, terrible, but. But what's the point of watching all these yeah. rich people be terrible? Yeah, yeah. right. Like I don't, I don't feel angry. I don't yeah. feel upset. I don't. I don't feel like called that, out. Like that I just, might be that might be the appeal for people <laughs> right now. I guess uh, is that they don't have to engage or think yeah. about things too deeply. They d- doesn't need to have a point. They're like it's about sex and like danger and and they were like isn't that enough? Yeah, so, and everyone's hot and the hotel's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, I don't begrudge that. Yeah, I mean, and the cynical side of me is thinking, is this show supposed to be aspirational? Like, are we supposed so. to wish I mean, we were these people? I mean, I want to go to that hotel. So, <laughs> so there's a, yeah, there you go. You can aspire to that. Uh, <sighs> they should, um, all the five-star resorts should bid to be the next season, like the Olympic cities. Because I'm sure, like, <laughs> I'm not the only person who wants to go see this hotel in person and stay there after watching White Lotus season two. Um, and again, um, we don't have the baggage as... Hawaii season one. Yeah. Um, that being said, I too am not looking forward to. I'm okay. I'm. I'm curious on how season three will look, and I'm happy for the people that we know in the Asian community who will mm-hmm. hopefully get cast in it if it does take place <laughs> in Asia. But track record wise, I'm not looking forward to um, <laughs> Mike White's take on eastern spirituality um and if he goes the route of season two and just not even discuss things like colonialism or the the um the role of race in class um distinctions that would be very disappointing as well but uh i guess we'll have to wait and see what kind of show it turns out to be um but on that note (laughs) That'll do it for a discussion of the White Lotus Season 2. Again, stick around after the credits for our spoiler cast. But um, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, Han, Jess, where can they find you? Still on Twitter at JessJewTweets. Yeah, I'm at Anonymous. And you can find me at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Um, check out our fellow Potluck pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Minjin Lee, 
Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. And you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. All right, welcome to the Good Pop Spoiler Cast for the White Lotus Season 2. This is your last warning that we're going to be talking about all the things that happened, including the reveal of who eats it at the end slash beginning of the show. So with that being said... Who did y'all think was going to eat it? I I was very torn about that because I kept thinking, like, let's get someone who is maybe unexpected. And I kept thinking Portia, but I also didn't want to see a young woman get killed. So uh, I a friend of mine kept saying it was going to be the oldest um, uh, toxic masculinity family member uh, just because he kept falling apart. <laughs> you know? That would have been too, like obvious too predictable yeah. though yeah yeah so at first i was like it's gonna be during sex so i actually <laughs> didn't really have any opinions it's one of those where for me the answer that didn't really matter to me for me it was i thought it was fairly obvious kind of just um the only thing that was was i was pushing back against is that you know she was the carryover from last season so i didn't know if that was going to be a convention that we would just follow Tanya, uh, who is one of the dead bodies we sp- that's found floating in the ocean. But then, you know, as as it goes on, you're just like, this is this is too sus. Like it's too sus. Right? Like they, like, they gave you all her. the clues. Yeah, it has to be her. Like, and I do think it had to have been a wealthier person because we got the like working class murder last time. And this time, I I thought it was going to be one of the uh, one of the uh, four quadruple people who like can't (laughs) figure out who they want in marriage. Obviously, it's not going to be Daphne because she's the one who finds the body. Um, But yeah, like either Will or I had my own young Cameron Theo James. Like I thought, yeah, yeah, like like, yeah, he was the one one I most wanted to die. Actually, so he's not going to die, obviously, because the one we most want to die is never going to die. Like, that's kind of the rule of the White Lotus, right? Like the shittiest person never dies. Um, But I will like, like killing Portia off would seemed a little too morbid, even for this show. Yeah, she did do some dumbass shit, though. And I was wondering, like, ooh, is this it for her? I'm like, you a dumbass. Why you? Well, I mean, she was obviously spending a lot of time with someone who like probably later was revealed to have been someone who was probably supposed to kill her. Right. Yeah. Well, in, in, in ways that's why I felt like it didn't matter because like you, when you were saying, Oh, I think it was kind of obvious once they sort of set things in motion. I was like, yeah. So while I'm watching, I'm like, it can't be, they can't like let us. <laughs> I like, thought she was going to get away with it until she thunked on that boat. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that- kind of the, that's kind of the twist, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Technically, she wasn't killed. She kind of thunked herself off the boat. Which is such like, you know, going off the themes of like this being an Italian themed 
vacation and them going to the opera and watching M. Butterfly or not M. Butterfly, Madam Butterfly. The um, is it the more racist version or yes, less that's racist? the more racist version. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the one where um, you know, she kills herself. That's the OG M. Butterfly. <laughs> it's a very like Italian slash Greek tragedy type of ending, right? Like she was just fated to die. Like even though she won. Yes. She still like dunked herself at the end. Yes, that's that's and just they're like just they're like having the gun and being like causing all this mass havoc and still being like scratching on me. It's like, ma'am, you have bigger things to worry about. Your husband trying to call you for your life insurance. Like, ma'am, ma'am, I do love Tom Hollander. No one plays a swarmy dude better than Tom Hollander. He's a fantastic Mr. Collins. He's a fantastic, like, he's a pirate cop in the Pirates movies. Like, just (laughs) such a punchable face. Like, absolutely elite at doing what he does. He was very enjoyable. I I think that was the thing is, like, when I talk about the casting, they really make me, it makes it watchable. So it's just like, even though he is a horrible, smarmy, whatever man, like, I was just like, okay, cool. Like, just do your thing. I do whatever you need to do to entertain me. Um, I will so. say during that um during that coke party scene, and you see uh, Nicholas Gun. Literally Nicholas Gun. Yeah, That's Chekhov's gun. Yeah, that but Nicholas Gun. <laughs> yeah, maybe we we found out like maybe he's part Russian. Do you guys <laughs> think that they're trying to kill her with all that coke, and she just wouldn't die? No, I, I definitely do think that it was just giving her the best send off because they just kept repeating the same thing that like her husband was saying was like, I want to give, show you a really good time, you know, like give yeah, you a they seem day. to really like her, but they're like, which we got to do what we got to do, which is why Marco was sobbing when he hugged her <laughs> when she left the villa. So I was just I like, mean, oh, dude. But then something that maybe this is me reading too much into it while I was watching it, but it really seemed like they were freaking out more and more. As the party went on, as she was doing all those lines of coke, like I, I honestly believe that they were trying to get Portia out of the way so that they can yeah. pump her full of coke so she would die at the party. And after that didn't happen, they were like, all right, now we got to kill her on the boat. Yeah, I think it's possible. I, either reading could probably be true because <laughs> like, there were hints that, th- that this is part of a darker group of people, but this does sound like it was a... Um, a murder of opportunity in order to uh, swell his coffers in order to, you know, like keep not his be put grand out. house. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm just thinking maybe these actually aren't the most um, uh, just established killers. So they're trying different things. There was a point when I thought maybe there were some sort of demon cult because again, the show <laughs> does shoot the show like a Gothic horror and that house was definitely haunted um, I was like, are they some sort of demon cult? Are they going to sacrifice Tanya to like their blood god or something? I think that would one theme too much, even for this show. <laughs> Maybe next next season. <laughs> I mean, even though Tanya is gone, she did leave us with a lot of really great lines, like the gays. The gays, they're trying, they're to, trying murder to murder me. me. Yeah, the gays, the gays. <laughs> um, which, which, this is one of those where I was just like, I'm glad Mike White is gay and he, he's the one who yes. like wrote that line. Yes. <laughs> it looked like he was fucking his uncle. 
Yeah, it's just so like my whole thing is, especially after a year of watching like other like content from queer creators and like um, I find it really interesting, like this idea of like, especially that fo- the quad couple, you know, the the like Cameron, Daphne, Will, Harper quad. It's like if the whole thing is just essentially about fidelity like that's the root of their like drama and the tension. I'm just like, that's so boring. Like, are you like, like if you just want to fuck each other's wives, like do a swap. It's fine. As long as everyone's consenting. Um, I'm just I like, mean, they oh, kind the straights, of did, though, right? I kind of, yeah, but I'm just like, but that was such a hullabaloo about it. I was like, you straights are so boring. Come on. Like if you want to <laughs> just fuck each other's wife or like do swap partners like swing a little bit like you're on vacation who gives a shit just do it i don't know and then like especially because you know with things like um what's the billy eichner movie bros bros, bros yeah bros and even um you know the fire island like like a big part of that was like deconstructing you know what hetero monogamy means or like is that like why is that like a default um and then we get this like parallel storyline between like this group of queer characters like you know the power gays and then you know this very straight you know four quad couple and i'm just i'm just um, surprised there wasn't more like parallel or like discussion about that but maybe that's too deep for the show no i i I am always curious because like if you have a queer writer and creator of a show I I definitely would have thought there would have been more of just a prominently gay character. We did get, you know, this is uh, where the spoilers come in, but we did get Valentina like discovering sexuality, but it kind of wasn't necessarily even about that. Yeah. So we didn't get to explore a couple who was gay, like going through the rich yeah. travails, right? So. Yeah. And, and I do think that was something we played more with in season one with the main character of, um, you know, the manager and just that generation of gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I guess that's asking for too much. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think this any... show's that deep, to be honest. Yeah. I think this show's very pretty. It's fun, but it's not that deep. Yeah. I mean, out of all the characters, I was actually rooting. I mean, maybe it's because it was the only representation we had on this show, but I was rooting for Ethan and Harper to like, no, they're so fucking boring. They are so boring. And I'm just like, what's wrong with you? Like, Look, if you're not that's happy, true. the fact that they waited seven days to do it on vacation, on their Sicily vacation, like when that would have probably solved everything. It's also I mean, I get like, that they have problems, but it's also like, it's also like, okay, number one from like a very like adult standpoint, it's like, why are you even going on this vacation with people you hate? Like, Number one, like if I was Harper, I was like, no, absolutely not. We're not going. Like, I don't give a fuck. You can go with your friends. I do not care. I don't like this man. Like, if Raymond tried me to drag me on a vacation with someone, I, one of his friends I did not like, I'd be like, fuck that. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, or I would just yeah. say, I'll go, but I'm not hanging out with them. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's like no one is an adult enough to just be like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, she's not, she's just. I don't yeah. know. And then, like, they're I mean, such isn't... downers. Like, I will take asshole Cameron and um, Daphne's fun. I'd get drinks with her. Like, at least they're kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Like, if 
let's say you have all of these high-minded beliefs, which, you know, I think a lot of us agree with, but you don't have to be a downer on vacation. You can get along with this perfectly nice woman, you know, who wants to go shopping and drink and have fun. So that's where I was just like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, when you and cast so, Aubrey yeah. Plaza to play a character, you get an Aubrey Plaza but character. I think Will, right? No, 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 but she wasn't. Yeah, but I also think Will... Will was even, or Ethan, you know, Will yeah. Sharp, Ethan was even worse because he's mm-hmm. the one who is the he's the linchpin of this. Like the reason mm-hmm. why they're there is because he is quote friends, but not really with Cameron, and he is like just that first scene where they're all having like drinks, and she's like, "What do you watch?" And he's just like, "I don't watch anything." Like I've never met a more no but couple. Like because in the rules of improv and like life, like when you're making small talk, you you say yes. And and you keep the conversation going. You don't be like, no, I don't do that. That's dumb. And also, who runs on vacation? Like, fucking, that's fucking sociopathic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. I I didn't enjoy them, but I did like the fact that they existed because I feel like there is enough truth to them, and it, it kind of did explain how the these problems arose. Um, I actually don't think that's an Abu Plaza type because I thought she was so straight laced. This is not what I'm used to with any Abu Plaza character. Yeah. Usually I see her more casual or more over the top. So for me, for her to be just really kind of like a stick in the mud, I was just like, oh, different Abu Plaza than I even expected. Um but and and to make Megan Fahey be more like alluring by you know by contrast, I was like okay. Um, so as as much as I didn't find them fun and enjoyable, I did think that there was an interesting things going on dynamic with the four of them. Yes, I think dynamics when you play them all four against each other, mm-hmm. it's very interesting, right? Because they're like <gasps> they seem like polar opposites. But also, like at the end, it's like oh. Them becoming more like Cameron and Daphne yeah. is what saves their fucking marriage. Yeah, it's well, it's it is interesting because also, um, Ethan, like, was really frustrating me throughout the whole thing. And then when he finally gave into the dark side, which we are assuming because they just walked off to an island together, we didn't see anything, um, but we assume um, that he had they his affair. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is that's the way it was filmed. So some people can be in denial if they want to. But we're all assuming that he had his affair. And so that's what's saving their marriage. Um, but it finally gave him some sort of light. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, okay, cool. What I did also enjoy was Theo James being such an asshole. Um, because often he's like the, you know, he was four in those movies. Um, he was in Sanditon as the heartthrob. You know, he was in uh, whatever Time Traveler's Wife. So some a lot of times he's heroic or, you know, the love interest or whatever. This one. Oh, my God. I bet you he had so much fun. Um, lots of Mr. Pamuk energy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> let's be let's not forget Mr. Pamuk. The first death in Downton yeah. Abbey. <laughs> I did not realize that they were both Brits, too, until the featurette. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's actually what I liked because at first I was like I don't know Will Sharp I looked him up I was like oh okay um, but yeah Theo James I did know was British um, and that's a, the nice thing is um, Aubrey Plaza I think this is not the first thing that she's appeared in that's uh, been set in Italy so I was like is she just living there now <laughs> uh, which I wouldn't blame her or maybe she's just shooting one thing after another there that doesn't sound like a bad life yeah <laughs> All right. What else can we talk about? I feel like I guess we can all agree that Lucia and Mia won 
They、Season、win, amazing! What a hustle! Good for them. They deserve it. Like when she ran into her like quote unquote pimp, I was like, I like, yeah, I, like, yeah, like lean over to my wife, like she's playing him. Oh They're yeah, in on it. <laughs> it was also like fun to watch her up the price every single time with Albi. <laughs> like even her overnight price, I was just like, hmm, God, what a dumbass. It 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 was kind of great because I was just like. You know, you are so dumb that you kind of deserve this, and also the dad for giving in. Like, what the fuck? I mean, again, the theme of this is self-preservation, right? And self,、mm-hmm. self, like giving to your selfish desires. And for him, he's he was willing to pay fifty thousand dollars to essentially gaslight his wife to、mm-hmm. get back with him, right? <laughs> like to have his son gaslight his wife to forgive him for yeah, that's real feminist of feminist of you, Alby. <laughs> um, I would, I would really like to pay. I would pay to watch the episode where like Alby and Portia go back to California and like go on one really weird date. Um, and they're just very traumatized from the I mean, whole Italy experience. All of their interactions, like for the first two episodes, were so awkward. Again, like. Just max cringe, right? Both for him and for her to have to put up with him. Yeah, I I love the idea that she's just like, oh, I keep going for the wrong guys, and I definitely picked the wrongest guy ever. So maybe I need to try Albi, but it's not going to work.、So. No, no. <laughs> but he went to Stanford, and he's really smart. Yeah, fuck that. That exactly. <laughs> he went to Stanford, Marvin loser. I did see a, I did see a really good tweet, and I'm sorry, I forgot who wrote it, but. Um, they said the most unrealistic thing about this entire show is that it took seven episodes for either Cameron or Ethan to mention that they went to Yale together. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Good times. Well, I guess on that note, that'll do it for our spoiler cast for the White Lotus season two. Will we cover season three? Who knows? I guess we'll、uh, we'll take a temperature check when it comes out and go from there. But yeah, thanks for joining us, and、um, hope you join us next time on Good Pop. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.